0: be happy. (laughs) All right, uh, open your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 9. Father, as we turn to these scriptures, may we truly uh, approach them as we ought to. And Lord, so often we take these words for granted and we don't tremble like we should, and I pray you'd help me to exalt the Word of God as it should be. Help me to say the right things about it. And Lord, uh, I know as, as uh, human beings, we are so much attached to the physical that we hold a book in our hands and we think it's just a book, but it's not just a book. They're, they're words of life, and I pray, Lord, that we might, uh, as you said, you'll look to a man that'll tremble at your words, so help us to do that this morning. And uh, may you magnify your word above all your name here. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, in Romans chapter 9, I know you're all familiar with this, or most of you would be, but uh, verse 17, the Bible says, For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for the same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. And so there Paul actually substitutes the word scripture for God himself. Because when you go back in Exodus, and for the sake of time we won't do that, but back in Exodus, that's God talking to Pharaoh. And Paul says that's scripture talking to Pharaoh. So you have in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. That's capitalized, that's Jesus Christ. And yet, when you take the capital W, Jesus Christ, with the small w, the Scripture, you can't even hardly separate them. They're so close. And for the average Christian today, that sounds like blasphemy. But it's not. (laughs) Whatever you think of Jesus Christ can be said of the Scripture. I mean, is is, uh, God perfect? Well, the Word of God is perfect. Be therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect. Uh, the, uh, God is a spirit, right? Yes. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. God's eternal. Forever, O Lord, in the heavens, right? Well, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Amen. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. The word is a light, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You can't separate them. And so here Paul says the scripture said what God said to Pharaoh. And so I want to show you some things about the scripture and what the scripture can do. And this book is so powerful it runs the world. And people don't don't really seem to get that. The Lord's using his word to put Kings and queens and presidents and nations in place as if he's got a chessboard that he plays with. And when he's done, bang, I'm done with you. And the word of God does that. And a man like Nebuchadnezzar wakes up in the morning, you know what, I think I'm going to expand my kingdom. I'm going to go take over Israel. No, that's the scripture doing that. And he's using even wicked lost men to do his bidding. And it's the Scripture doing it. And so look at Daniel, uh, let's see, Daniel chapter 4. Now the Lord gives man a free will, and then the Scripture uses man's free will to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. And that's true in your life, and that's why you ought to tremble. You ought to be real fearful of the book you're holding in your hand, that if you don't respond right to it, And then you, then you, I mean, it's a good, healthy fear to have the same fear that you have of the Lord for the beginning of wisdom. You ought to tremble at that book in the same way. Look at Daniel chapter four and verse 17. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand of by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basis of men. So that scripture is by the, by the word of the holy ones. There, there's your angels that are giving words of God out and the Lord's setting up kings and knocking others down. Setting up one kingdom while he knocks another one out. And that's, that book you hold in your hand is, is controlling the United States of America. Using men's free will. So the Lord sets up a thing by His word, and He says, uh, The nation turns from me, then the nation gets turned into hell. Psalm 9. So the nation has a free will, and it goes away at once, and it, it follows what the book says about it. And so the, the, the power that's in the scripture is what I want to get across to you here this morning, along with a few other things about it. But this is the only book that tells the lost world how things are going to go and what they're going to do, and they can't do anything about it. You know, when you think about it, the devil knows what's coming, right? It's right there. He can read it. He knows the scriptures, and it tells him how he's going to end up. And yet, in his pride, he still thinks he's going to overthrow that. So here's the thing. Look, look how America, as well as all the nations, what do they think of the Bible? Pfft. Get out of here with the Bible. That's ridiculous. That's some archaic book. That's some religious book. We don't need that. And that book that they just scoff at tells them what they're going to do, and they're going to do it. America is going to turn with all the nations against Israel and try and fight a battle against her. Now, you'd think a man would stop and say, hey, I'll prove the Bible ain't right. We won't do that. (laughs) Well, they can't. They have to do it. And so in Zechariah 14, Joel chapter 3, all the nations, that means (laughs) A-L-L, come to Jerusalem to fight and they all are going to do it. And they cannot do anything about it. They're going to do it in their own free will and the book tells them before they do it, and they're going to have to go ahead and do it. But the amazing thing is, is that as powerful as that book is, you can actually limit its power in your life. Look at Psalm 78. So God has some Plans for your life. You may not know what they are, and you can't know all of them. I don't know everything God has planned for whatever time I have left. Uh, I never started out 47 years ago as a Christian knowing where it was going to take me. Uh, But along the way, I've seen, looking backwards now, being on the other side of a lot of it, there's been some forks in the road. And if you go this way, here's how it comes out. And if you go this way, here's how it comes out. And that book is guiding all the way. All right, Brian, you got a choice. All right, Lord, I don't know what to do. What should I do when he guides me and he takes me this way? Or he tells me to go this way, and I say, I don't want to go this way. Right. And you have that choice to do that. And then you find yourself over here. Now you got another fork in the road. You shouldn't even be there. <laughs> yes, you should be over here. Yeah. Hitting another fork. And that is that ought to make you tremble. And so you can limit what God has for you in your life. This isn't some Joel Osteen positive type thing. God has a plan for your life. You're his child. He wants to do something with you. And you can stop it from happening. And God will let you. Look at Psalm 78 and verse... Uh, Where is it? Uh, Verse 40. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Now that's talking about the nation of Israel. They limited God. How? By rebelling against what he told them to do. So the Lord oftentimes... Gives a warning, don't go that way, but allows you to do it. And then once you do it, now you've limited what he was going to do in your life. And sometimes he has to bring judgment that he didn't want to bring. But that's all, that's all to do with the word of God. And you you, you you get to see how the Lord is by reading the scripture and see what's in his heart. And he said, oh, if you only listen to me. And you, you, you see the emotion and the pathos of, of Oh, if my people only listened to me. What I would have done for Israel. And he can say the same about you and I. Oh, if you only hadn't taken that step. If you only had listened to me. What I would have wanted to do with you. Jesus Christ comes up over that hill and looks over that city and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Thou that stonest the prophets and killest them, how oft I would have gathered thee as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And ye would not. And he looks down and I I am just guessing, but I think he's looking at 70 AD and Jews being slaughtered by the Romans because they chose that route. And he's saying, I would have gathered you as a hen and protected you, but you wouldn't have it. Here's your king. We have no king but Caesar. (laughs) Okay, Caesar, move in. And you limit God, all right? Now look at James chapter 1. The first thing I want to say, these are the things that Scripture can do. And the first thing and the great thing is that it can save your soul. Oh, wait a minute, I thought Jesus saves. Yeah, He does through His Word. James chapter 1, verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, And receive with meekness the engrafted word, and that's not capital W, that's a scripture, which is able to save your souls. And Peter says in 1 Peter, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God. So it's the word of God that saves a soul. The power in that book you're holding in your hand saves your soul. See, doesn't that sound like blasphemy if you're, if you're not familiar with that book? You're, you're saying that Jesus doesn't save? No, I didn't say Jesus doesn't save. I said he's saving through his word. You know how I know to be saved? By what that says. You know how I know Jesus Christ died for me? Not because of what somebody said. Because of what that says. And so receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. The word of God is quick and powerful. Quick meaning alive and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It gets inside. And if you do much witnessing, you see the power in that book. You start talking to somebody and you see the change in the countenance. You see, I've seen a lip start quivering. A tear come. I've been I've been literally looking up at a guy that's about eight inches taller than me, looking up at him like that, and his lips start quivering, a tear come to his eye. He ain't afraid of me. <laughs> that's that book, and that book is able to save. And you've you've seen it if you've done some witnessing. You, I've been talking to a guy, and he and he's he, you can see he's just getting all confused, and he's not used to this. He's used to just sloughing somebody off, and the Christian just backs off. Oh, you really believe in a hell? God's going to send somebody to hell, and the Christian just backs off. Yeah, there's a hell, and I'll give it to you from the Scripture. And then that guy comes across the Scripture, not a a man, but a a Scripture, and it bothers him, and it starts to get to him. Now what's his response? He can take it or leave it, but what a blessing to watch somebody just break down over that. I've had a guy grab my wrist and say, can I do that now? <laughs> you see the change coming over them as you're, as you're giving him the scripture. Not what I think about things, not what some religion says, not what some Baptists think. It's the word of God is able to save your soul. That, that's the power in it. Now see, when we talk to people, we ought to remember that. See, I can have a conversation with you and nothing eternal takes place if it's just me thinking something and you thinking something and, and there's nothing wrong. You could talk about football or something, but no eternal consequences in a conversation like that. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 2. When it's just man's spirit to man's spirit, you are not affecting eternity. Lost men do that all the time. And you might be impressed with a lost man's ability to do something and even say something. But it doesn't affect eternity. doesn't affect the, the soul's uh, final destination. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us, of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual." So any time a preacher gets in a pulpit, he ought to remember, he's not supposed to be impressing people. He's supposed to be feeding them the Word of God. It's not man to man, see, I've, I've, I've listened to plenty of preachers, and they can go on for an hour and a half and just impress you with them. And when it's all over, that's just man' spirit to man spirit. I, I might not know you, but I could look at you this morning and maybe say a few words to you, and I could tell you if you're happy or sad, you know why? That's man's spirit. If I look at a cow, I don't know what it's thinking. <laughs> I don't like cows because <laughs> I don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> Are you mad at me? Are you in a charge?) <laughs> Are you going to stomp me out, or what, what's going on in that mind? I don't know, because it's not a man's spirit. Now my spirit can deal with your spirit, but that's not eternal consequences. But if my spirit joined to the Holy Spirit gives you words, then something takes place, and the 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 Word of God can save. Now look at 2 Peter chapter three. The second thing I want to say. Is the Word of God can destroy life. This is what people don't want to believe and certainly don't want to preach. But it's why you ought to tremble at it. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also according to the wisdom given unto him hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, so we're talking scripture here, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. So that scripture is so powerful you can rest it to make it say what you want and destroy your own life with it. That's how powerful the scripture is. So, Paul's writing some things, Peter says. Some of it's hard to be understood, and it always will be because they're God's words. But some take it and they rest it to their own destruction. I can rest that scripture and show you that you don't have to be baptized to be saved. And then I can show you you have to be baptized to be saved. (laughs) I can show you that to have the Holy Spirit, you have to speak in tongues. From the scripture, and I can show you, you don't need the to speaking tongues to get full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and on and on. Uh, but that, that scripture is powerful enough to destroy life. Look at First Kings chapter 13. 1 Kings chapter 13, here's a young man of God he's called here. He's a prophet, and God gives him his word. Verse 1, 1 Kings 13, 1, Behold, there came a man of God out of, the, out of Judah by the word of the Lord. Verse 2, And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord. Verse 3, He gave a sign the same day, saying, This is a sign which the Lord hath spoken. Look at the end of verse 5, God hath given by the word of the Lord. Verse 9, For so it was charged me, By the word of the Lord. And if you know that story, that man comes in, does exactly what he's supposed to do. He delivers a message. The Lord shows the king that the word of God is true. And then he says, now get out of town and go another way, the way you didn't go. And you know the story, he sits under an oak and that old prophet comes by. And he said, the Lord told me. Well, listen, if anyone tells you the Lord told you and it doesn't match with what the Lord said, it doesn't matter if he's saying this is what the Bible says. Is it what the Bible says? And so that old prophet was used of God to test that young man to see if he was going to go by what the word of the Lord told him. He already had the word of the Lord. I don't care who comes around. You have what the word of God says. Stick with it. That costs a man his life. He was killed. He never got home because the word of the Lord came in there and told him something and he went with it and did a good job with it, but then he let somebody pull him away from it. Now, the third thing I want to say is the word of the Lord will try you, it will test you. Psalm 105. Psalm 105, look at verse 17. <clears throat> he sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. So Joseph, sitting in a prison in Egypt, you know what the Bible says? The word of the Lord was trying him. How was it trying? You talk about a trial. <laughs> If you pay attention to what happened there, Joseph didn't do anything wrong. A woman came after him, a guy's wife came after him, and he ran out of, ta- out of the house. And he ends up in prison. But you know what's interesting about it? Joseph's there because of a dream. And he has a dream, and he tells his brothers, hey, I had a dream, and the Lord showed me all you guys are going to bow to me. Not a real good idea, maybe, to tell that dream. <laughs> And so even Jacob says, hey, you mean me and my sons are all going to bow to you? (laughs) Well, that's what the word of the Lord told him. So now he's sitting in prison. Thanks to his dream, his brothers hate him. They sell him into slavery and he goes down into Egypt and he's sitting there in prison and two guys come to him and say, hey, we had a dream. (laughs) You know what that is? That's a trial. If that was most of us, we would have said, yeah, I had a dream once too. Look what it got me. (laughs) You know what Joseph's doing, he's being tried. Are you gonna believe the dream I gave you? Are you gonna believe the word I gave you? Because it's gonna to come to pass whether the circumstances look like it or not. And Joseph stayed faithful. He was tried. And until the word came, until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him, and that butler and the baker and Joseph said, Yeah, the Lord can interpret dreams. I'll give it to you. That was a great trial for that young man. And the word of the Lord is going to try you. Uh, this life is going to bring circumstances that's going to try your faith. As Peter says, uh, the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold which perishes. May be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. That word of God is going to try you. Because circumstances in life are not always going to look like the Bible's right. And you just trust the Bible's right. <laughs> And you you put your faith in what those promises say no matter what the circumstances look like. Now, I've, I've taught this lesson uh, in Maine and Tennessee and Texas and oh, I could name about five other places. And I've given this illustration that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you. This, this illustration really impressed me and I'm going to say it and it's going to be harder to say it here. Because I got a couple people right down here in front of me that I use as the illustration. (laughs) And how they were tried with a great trial. And that woman right there impressed me as much as any preacher I've ever heard at that funeral. And I remember her saying something along the lines of her and her husband got together with that book and she said, so this is how we're going to get through this, huh? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's how you're going to get through it. (laughs) And I'm not saying that because they're sitting here. I actually want to pull that illustration out because they're sitting here. But that's how you get through it. You're going to be tried by the word of the Lord. And it's a hard trial. Not all of it's easy. And sometimes I've been in a position in my life where I say, God, you said all things work together for good. This does not look good. I see nothing good in this. What I see good is you fix this. No, I'm not fixing it. All right, then instead of getting bitter and mad, then it's for my good. Only because you said so, not because I feel like it, not because it looks like it, but that's what the scripture says. That's not easy. That's against our nature. But boy, what a pleasure to God. There isn't any parent that doesn't like their kids to trust them. You get little kids, and boy, what a joy they they daddy's home, and man what a, what a thing you know they, that kid's so dumb he thinks daddy's the best thing in the world. and that makes you happy and I remember coming home and and uh that Laura would this high and she'd, Daddy, and she'd grab my knee and I'd pick her up and she was just so glad to see me. What if I came home each day and she said, Dad, did you make enough money to feed us today? So i sit her down and say, Listen, honey, I'm always going to provide for you. I'm going to do my best. Don't you worry about that. Okay. Then i come home the next day and she says, Dad, are we going to be able to stay in this house? Did you make enough money? And what if she did that every day? You know what that kid sh- does? They just trust you. <laughs> and that makes you happy. <laughs> and yet here we are. Lord, do you see what's going on in this country? What's going to happen? <laughs> hey, son, come here. I'm going to take care of you. Hey, yes. oh, oh, yeah, that's right. OK. Next thing, Lord, <laughs> the car broke down. What's going to I don't know what happened. Hey, hey, come on. <laughs> it pleases them when you just trust what he said. Don't look at the circumstances. That book is gonna try you. He says some things that don't look like they make sense if you're honest. So that that book will try a man. Now look at Jeremiah fifteen. There's another one you're not gonna like. (laughs) That book's gonna separate you. Jeremiah fifteen. Verse sixteen, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord of Ho- Lord God of hosts. I sat not in the assembly of the mockers, nor rejoiced. I sat alone. Why? Because of thy hand, Jeremiah said. You filled me with indignation. You separated me. I'm sitting alone because I'm preaching what you told me to preach. No one else is preaching it. They're all saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. They're all holding up these olive branches and saying, don't worry, we're going we're to be okay. Nebuchadnezzar's not coming in here. He's not going to bash baby's heads. Don't listen to Jeremiah. He's a negative preacher. He doesn't love his country. That's what they accused him of. He's not patriotic. He's selling out to the Chaldeans. He doesn't believe in Trump. He doesn't think this country can be saved. Jeremiah said, all I did was preach what you told me to preach. And I'm sitting alone because of your word. Because of your hand, God. That book will separate you if you follow it. You're not going to get along with everybody. People aren't going to like you. You're going to make enemies yes, when you live by that book and when you stick with that book. I have a brother. We're 11 months apart. I'm 11 months older than him. And we are so far apart, you can't believe it. He's an atheist. He's the only one of my siblings. I didn't get to lead to the Lord. I'm still praying for him. 47 years. 47 years. <laughs> But we can't get along. I love them. We can talk about football. We can talk about sports. We can talk about weather. But eventually, <laughs> my Savior has to get brought up. <laughs> that book has to, the Bible says, has to be brought up. And that splits it. I've been sitting at a Thanksgiving meal and just, why'd you have to say that? <laughs> Well, if I just shut my mouth, leave Jesus Christ outside, we would go along fine. Lord, I'm sitting alone because of you. Lord, I can't get along. I used to smoke pot with my brother. I got along fine with him. Now I can't because of you. And I'm not saying that, that God's done anything wrong. I'm telling you that's what the scripture does. It separates you. And Christians don't want to receive that. You know what? The, one of the hardest tests you're ever going to get is when a loved one, especially a family member, will not go along with that book. And you do. Most Christians fail right there. I just, there's something boils in me when I hear a guy say, Well, I got to get along with my wife. If mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. I hate that saying. I despise it. Shame on you, woman. If the whole house is unhappy, because you're unhappy. Fooey on a woman like that. Or on a man like that. Dad can't find his key, so the whole house has to go in an uproar. Anyway, I don't know why I said that. (laughs) (laughs) But you end up sitting alone. Look at Jeremiah chapter 20. It'll separate you. I noticed a long time ago that book is going to pull me away from people that I would rat- like to get along with. I have enemies all over this country. I don't enjoy that. I really don't. People think, oh, you, you just don't care. You just, you just don't like people. Well, there's a little truth to that. But, but really, I would like to get along. But I come to a point and say, you're going to stick with what I said? A guy just told me that one of the members of our church said he was with some preacher and he a whole bunch of people. And said, Brother Donovan's just not patriotic. He doesn't realize the importance of politics. Well, it doesn't matter what Brother Donovan thinks about politics. What does God say? That's all that matters. Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 7. There's some strong words from Jeremiah. Oh, Lord, thou hast deceived me and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me, and a derision daily. Now Jeremiah, which we all do, I'm not trying to bring charge against him, but he got to a breaking point. He said, I'm done with this. I'm not speaking anymore. Look at the next verse. Verse 9. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. I'm tired of this. I'm just trying to preach what you told me to preach on derision daily. People hate my guts. I'm I'm done. I'm not even saying your name anymore. What did the Lord do? He just said, okay. Don't. (laughs) Jeremiah said, what? (laughs) Don't. You don't want to speak my name? You don't want to take my side of it? Then don't wait a minute, you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> and he left him alone. And look what happened. <laughs> verse, the middle of verse 9, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up on my bones and I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. <laughs> and he said, I'm not preaching anymore. And he said, okay, don't. And I said, he <sighs> saw a couple of queers walking down the street holding hands and he, that's an abomination. Hey, hey, Jeremiah, you're not supposed to be saying anything, remember? Well, I have to. <laughs> you know what it did? It pulled him aside. Sometimes you're going to sit alone when you follow that book. That book's going to separate you. And that's where most Christians are going to fail in this age. They're not going to stand on the truth, they are going to stand on what keeps them popular, what allows them to get along. And they're not going to put the book ahead of everything else. Uh, You're going to have a choice. Acceptance or rejection. And you're going to be accepted by God and rejected by them or accepted by them and rejected by God. Your choice. Jeremiah, you don't want to preach anymore? Don't mention my name. Your choice. And look who you're going to get along with. (laughs) Now... There's a great blessing in allowing that scripture to separate you because you'll get closer to Jesus Christ Amen. and that fellowship with him will be much sweeter when you do lose some friends Amen. and loved ones. Yes. And he'll, he'll come real close. And as David, the man after God's own heart, said, when my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. And sometimes your mother and father will forsake you. And sometimes your kids will forsake you. I've known Christians, hey, you're not the only one. I've got a daughter that refuses to talk to me. That that kills me. I finally had to tell her, listen, if you don't want my fellowship, I'm going to leave you alone. The Lord doesn't force his fellowship on you. So I'm not going to. You don't want my fellowship? Then I'll leave you alone. I got to Ten-year-old grandson I haven't even seen. I'm not saying that for sympathy. I'm saying it's not easy. But the Lord sure is good. And that book will separate you. And I'm going to tell you something. That's where most Christians fail, right there. I want to get along with my daughter. I know how to do it. I know what to give up. To get along with her. By the grace of God, I'm not going to do it. It ain't worth it. I don't want to lose his fellowship. I don't want to lose hers, but I will. And I have. And I'm not the only one in this room like that. That's how it goes when you stick with that book. He's the only one worth loving. He's the only one worth not forsaking. He's never going to forsake you. But it's because of that book. Look at Mark chapter 4. The next thing is it'll bring persecution. The scripture will. Mark chapter 4 verse... Uh, 16, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. So someone in the parable there takes the word in, and they like it, receive it with gladness. But then some persecution comes up. And notice that persecution or affliction comes up for the word's sake. And that scripture will bring persecution. Now, I'm not going to spend much time on that because we really don't get much of that. Not in America. Now, you've got brothers and sisters around the world that are getting that. And the little bit we can take, we ought to be willing to take it. I mean, if the only persecution means you can't get along with somebody you, you wish you could, you could at least take that, can't you? I mean, you're not being beaten and thrown in jail. Not yet. So we don't know what real persecution is. We get some. When we stick with that book, there'll be some persecution. It might be just somebody making fun of you. <laughs> but you can handle that, can't you? It might be somebody not getting along with you. They might get on YouTube and say something about you. God forbid. Well, that book's going to bring some persecution. Look at Romans chapter 15. The next thing I want to say is it can bring comfort. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Now, everyone, every, everyone born of God, every child of God, is going to have to live in a sinful world and go through trouble. You can't get away from it. And you know what you're going to need? You're going to need comfort. Amen. And you get comfort from the Scripture. Now, I've had times in my life where I, I read the Bible. I start in Genesis. I go all the way through to Revelation. There's different ways. I'm not saying that's the only way you do it, but you should be in it every day and going through it. And some people read a little in the Old Testament, a little in the New Testament. I, I don't care how it's done, but it should be done. And I go through from Genesis to Revelation. And then I start again. But when I get in real trouble, I go right back to Psalms. <laughs> I don't care if I'm in... Uh, in Revelation, I go to Psalms. And I said, Lord, I need comfort. And I've had nights where some tears have fallen on those pages in the Psalms. And I got comfort that I need. And I get it from the scriptures. And those scriptures can give it because it's, it's a living book. And David went through some things for my sake. <laughs> And the Lord had him pen some things so that a couple thousand years later I can get through the night. And I get comfort from it. And you can get comfort from that book. Now, granted, most of our troubles are just kind of petty aggravations. But every one of us has some real troubles come up at times. And when those real troubles come up, you need scripture, you need comfort, and you need help. You aren't some island. You aren't some rock that doesn't need any help. You're weak. And you ought, you ought to admit you're weak. I go to the Lord and sometimes I say, Lord, you, you do remember I'm just dust, don't you? I, sh- I sure hope you remember my frame and realize what I can take. I, I'll break if you don't help. And you need comfort. And what I've found is that's the only place I get it. I mean, real comfort. I'm glad i got a good wife that's always there for me, but the comfort I need that's going to get me through to please the Lord has to come from the Scripture. And that's what the Scripture is written for, and a, a Christian can find great comfort, and sometimes that comfort is just not having the answer. I want the answer. I want this fixed. No, it's not going to get fixed. I'm not even going to give you the answer. And the Bible says there's a peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I don't understand this situation. I don't know why you're not fixing it, but you're in control. And you're going to have it come out for my good. And I want to go through this so it comes out for your pleasure and I get a comfort and a peace that passes. All right, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why you don't fix this. But the scripture, I have promises in the scripture that give me a comfort to know that I don't have to have the answer. I have a father I can trust. And literally the scripture becomes the answer. Um, Jesus Christ went to Gethsemane and he asked the father to do something for him. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And he said no. No. My will is that you drink it. And he did. And it was the Father's will that he would forsake his own son for our sakes. And he hung on that cross and he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? For you, for me. And Jesus Christ had to go through that. And it pleased the Father to go through that. And he got comfort by going through that and what the Father said. And boy, as Jesus Christ, you get to start knowing him through these scriptures, you'll find some real comfort. He's, that's the only one in the world who could ever say, "'Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you thee rest. <laughs> "'Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, "'and you shall find rest unto your souls.'" Look at John chapter 17. Sometimes I like to just go back and read these verses in this prayer. And Jesus Christ starts out praying for the for the apostles, the 11 that were left after Judas defected, and uh, then he ends up praying for you and I. And you come to John chapter 17, and... Uh, Look at verse, um, well, start in verse, uh, I get the whole thing's good, but uh, 14. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, not for just the twelve, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's us. That That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect and one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. You talk about comfort. He's praying that for you. He's saying, I'm not just praying for these 11, but I'm praying for those that are going to believe through their word. And he's saying... I gave them the glory you gave me. And I'm, I, I'm praying they're all going to be one, even as you are one. And the way you love me, I'm loving them. And you love them like you love me. That's some great stuff there. That's some pretty comforting stuff. Like I said, um, we all need help. Paul talks about our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And you're going to go through troubles and need some comfort. And you go through them the right way. See, you can go through trouble the wrong way and blow it and not bring any pleasure to God. And sometimes it's just, okay, I don't have an answer. I'm just going to, by faith, trust you're a good father and please you through this trial. And really, especially as American Christians, we can certainly say this is a pretty light affliction you put on me. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Even some of the hard things you go through. They're just a moment. They're going to be over. And we're going to be with them one day. Look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119, the next thing I want to say about the scripture is that it can can prevent sin in your life. And I'm talking about that book you're holding in your hand. It can prevent sin. Verse 11. Thy word have I hidden mine heart that I might not sin against thee. That scripture is powerful enough if you'll put it in your heart to keep you from sin. Literally prevent you from sinning, if you'd put it in your heart. Uh, The Bible says a a very great verse, and you ought to memorize it. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. You know what your flesh says? Oh, nobody nobody knows what I'm going through. (laughs) No, you've got brethren around the world going through the same thing. Even at the same time, but you just don't know it. Your affliction or your trouble, no matter how deep it is or how minor it is, it's common to man. You're not the only one going through it. And you need scripture to remind yourself and tell your flesh you're wrong. Oh poor me, no nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrow. Yes, they do. It's common. And it changed see my thinking's messed up. I need the scripture to straighten me out. I want to think poor me. I want to think I'm the only one that feels this. We like that. And the scripture says, no, you're not. It's common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. And the flesh sure comes in there. Oh, I have to do this. This is too strong. I just have to do that. No, you don't. And that scripture can prevent you if you'll... Take advantage of the power in it. (laughs) Lord, this one's strong. This one's hard. But I don't have to give in to it. The scripture says so. And you're faithful. You're going to provide a way to escape that might be able to bear it. So I'm going to look for that escape hatch and get some help. Listen, I've sat with a guy at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, shaking, sweating, wanting to put a needle in his arm. He called me and said, if you don't get over here, I'm going out. And I was, so I got over his house and I sat with him. And I mean, sweat and shaking. And that the temptation that man had in 30 seconds was more than most of us would have in 24 hours. In any sin we're facing. He didn't have to put the needle in his arm. Sure felt like it. Every ounce of his being said he had to. But the scripture said he didn't have to. And that's what I gave him. I sat with him a while, and he didn't that night. <laughs> he stayed clean for a while, and he eventually went back to it. He didn't have to. It's common to man, but God will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, if you're a young Christian... I'm going to give you some advice. You probably won't take it, but you ought to set aside some time to start memorizing scripture. Uh, you're going to need it. You're going to need it through your teenage years. You're going to need it through your young married years. You're going to need that scripture to get you through. And when I first got saved, I was only 22 years old, and I started working construction with a guy that, uh, when I got down to Pensacola, everything was new to me. And this guy said, we're going to start memorizing scripture together. And I said, oh, I can't do that. I don't have the mind for that. And he said, you're not going to tell me that. And he he forced me. And together, while we're working with our hands, we started memorizing scripture. And I'm glad that guy made me do that. (laughs) And every day, we'd check each other. (laughs) And he, for one month, we started out at the beginning of a month, and he said, we're going to do one chapter a month for the four weeks of this month, and we're going to memorize Philippians. That was 46 years ago, and it's still in there. Now, I may miss a few verses and a few words here and there, but it's still in there. And there's who knows how many in there that need to be pulled out at times. And that scripture can prevent you from sinning. And don't let your flesh tell you, oh, I can't do it. There's all kinds of systems you might use, but I don't know any other thing, but just go over it and over it and over it. You you, you get one verse down by going over it and over it until you get it. You get some songs in your heart, don't you? I go into Walmart and I hear uh, Bob Dylan come on. Who listens to Bob Dylan? Nobody. They do that because I'm coming in. The devil knows I'm going in there. (laughs) Nobody likes Bob Dylan. The guy couldn't even sing. (laughs) But I go in there and I'm starting to sing. I know I'm looking for something. I'm not thinking. I'm singing the song. with, Man, you idiot. (laughs) It's in there, see? You have a mind that can do it. What do you want to do? (laughs) So you just go over it and and get it in your heart and and put an effort into it show the lord it means something to you and if you're a young christian i'm telling you you're going to need it it's going to change your life Amen. now there's some scripture i've memorized that i probably couldn't tell you exactly i could tell you where it is on the page but i could, i might be able to give you the number but the words are what matters and i can give you the words and i need those words and they're powerful. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. For this cause also, thank we God, without ceasing. Because when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Now watch this. Which effectually worketh also in you that believe. An effectual work in your life. But you've got to get it in there. And you ought to memorize it. And I'm telling you, there's going to be some things coming up in your life and you're going to be alone and you're going to need that word. Now, what if, what if, and it could be coming, I'm not saying it is right away and it may be a ways off, but what if this government of ours decided that they're going to ban the Bible and it's illegal? It wouldn't be the first time it's been done. And what if they took their Bible from you, your, your Bible from you? And what if they threw you in jail for being a Christian? How much Bible would you have? They, I, I remember reading years ago a story of um, one of these wall Dungeons, a Jesuits came in and they ripped the guy away from his family. They killed his wife and kids and they threw him in jail. <coughs> and they said, now what do you think of your scripture? Let's hear it. And he started quoting psalms, whole psalms to him. And he took a piece of charcoal on the side of his uh, cell and he wrote scripture, completely surrounded himself with the scripture that he wrote out that he had hidden in his heart. Now what if you were given a piece of charcoal in a jail cell? No, no Bible. It's okay, write out what you know. Could you fill up a wall? Would there be enough to get you through the trial? Would there be enough in there to know what God says about what you're going through? You say, well, that probably won't happen. No, it probably won't. But the point is, you're still going through day by day life in Christ. Is there anything in there that can come out? Is there anything in there that knows what God says about this situation you're facing? There should be. If I were to ask you today, I'll bet I could get, oh, I'll bet i get 50 to 100 hands. Who's the highest scoring uh, career leader in, in the NBA? You, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Come on, bro. Well, what if I ask you, what does God say about you making money? Come on. We can get as many hands, I'll bet. Right. LeBron James, LeBron James, everyone know that. What does the Lord say about you uh, going to the doctor? Do you know? What's the Lord say about alcohol? What's he say about any subject in your life? He has something to say about every subject. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for giving us a scripture, and Lord, this book has been plopped in our lap, and it didn't cost us anything. It didn't cost our blood, it didn't cost our wives, our children, it didn't cost our freedom. As a result, we're spoiled, and we take it for granted, and we really don't appreciate it. Lord, the day may be coming where it's taken from us, and I pray that. We've spent enough time in it. Maybe someone will make up their mind today to start spending time in it every day. Not just so they can say they memorize something. Not to show off anything so that they can have it in their heart to get through life. To face things that are coming in their lives. To please you by faith. Lord, thank you so much for finding me in my darkness and giving me your light thank you for giving me your book when I think of the blank that I am and I was and that you'd come to me and give me this kind of understanding and this kind of wisdom and this kind of light I thank you for it pray you'd help us appreciate it more we ask in Jesus name